Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where we discuss matters affecting the rural sector. The Country Land and Business Association is the membership organisation that provides support and expert advice to landowners and rural businesses across England and Wales. Leveling Up is the flagship policy of Boris Johnson's Conservative government, with the idea to bring people and communities previously considered left behind to an equal standing with more prosperous areas such as the South East by 2030. Regional disparities are more pronounced in the UK than in most other developed countries. Though much of the government's focus has been around bridging the North-South divide, the CLA points to the widening gap between urban and rural areas as a key area to level up. Rural areas are 18% less productive than urban areas and closing that gap could add £43 billion to the national economy. In today's episode, we are joined by Rosie Nagel, Public Affairs Manager at the CLA, who will share with us the goals of the CLA's Leveling Up campaign. Well, Rosie, welcome. It's brilliant to have you on this podcast. Uh, Before we go into talk about Leveling Up, tell us a bit about your background and the work you do for the CLA. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. So my background is that I began my career working in Parliament for Um, a couple of different MPs so I was involved with the day-to-day running of their Westminster offices of helping them with preparing for debates of tabling parliamentary questions of uh, corresponding with constituents about the issues that affected them and so that was how I, I gained an interest in the rural economy. I worked for an MP who had a rural constituency. Um, and so it was working there for a few years. Um, I decided I, I needed a break from Parliament. It was, a, it was a little bit much for me by the end. And so that's when I joined the CLA a couple of years ago. And um, in that time, I've been working on uh, liaising with our our parliamentary stakeholders, um, working with our government stakeholders as well, and just trying to convey the interest and the needs um, of CLA members to government across the rural economy, just to try and get the changes that they need. And I'm sure working in Parliament gave you some very useful insights and experience of the inner workings of Westminster, which I'm sure has, has come in very useful in your current role. Um, but turning our attention to the levelling up agenda, it's, it is, as I said at the beginning, the flagship policy of this Conservative government. What does it actually mean in, in, in the context of rural areas? What, what does levelling up mean to you? So to me, levelling up in, in rural areas is about putting rural areas on an even footing with urban areas. Um, As you mentioned, rural areas are 18% less productive than urban areas. And there's a variety of reasons for that disparity. Some of it is because of the poor connectivity that often exists in rural areas. Sometimes it is due to the outdated planning system that can prevent a lot of development um, in, in these communities. And a lot of it is due to sort of persistent underinvestment in skills and transport. So to me, levelling up in rural areas should be about addressing those gaps that exist, which would then enable the rural uh, the rural economy to 
to be what it could be. We certainly believe that there's lots of ambition in the rural economy. Um, and we know that there is potential and that it actually could be an economic powerhouse in its own right. We just want government to share in that ambition and acknowledge that it needs to be levelling up to bring it in line with the rest of the country. So what do you make of the government's uh, recently published white paper on levelling up? It's uh, Has it given rural areas the focus and attention it deserves? What, what's your assessment? So my assessment would be that although as a sort of overall that a lot of the aims in the white paper are laudable and you know I can't I can't disagree with the with the aim to boost living standards in terms of uh what attention is paid to rural areas I think it's a real missed opportunity um it taught the, the white paper the whole sort of ethos of the white paper is talking about reducing the spread of geographical inequalities and uh reducing disparities in productivity and this is literally what we've just been talking about, um, the problems that exist between rural and urban areas. And so the document is very long. It's over 300 pages. There's, I think, fewer than 30 mentions of rural areas. So there was, there was, a, real, was a real lost opportunity, I think. Um, and the other, the other thing with the white paper is that a lot of the announcements are rehashed. So there's actually very little new money available. And I think that when you consider that this is meant to be the government's flagship policy, I think that it makes their intentions quite disingenuous. Um, And so one example is that there is uh, five billion pounds of money earmarked for Project Gigabit, uh, which is, you know, to improve broadband and uh, by uh, 2030, I think is their aim now. Well, this was a manifesto commitment back in 2019. So this isn't this isn't anything new that we're seeing. One of the problems with the white paper is that it is applying urban-centric policies. Um, so for example, it says by 2030, the rest of the country's local public transport systems should become much closer to London standards. Now, London standards to me, is that mean does that mean there's going to be lots of little tube networks across the country? Are we going to have the same number of buses, trains, even, um, you know, uh, bicycles across the entire country? I just can't see that happening. Like With the best will in the world, that's the sort of thing that might work in urban areas, you know, other big cities. But that's not going to that's not going to work in rural areas. They just don't have the infrastructure. It's just too sparse an area. So I think that the. They're talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. And given that it's 300 pages, I think there's actually not a lot of detail in there of how these things are going to be achieved. So I think there actually ends up being quite a disconnect between um, the rhetoric and the reality. So it's quite a high level white paper. And and as you've alluded to, it might lack in detail and substance in in some parts. What would you like to see uh, included within the government's plans? And this is an opportunity, and I'm sure the CLA will be working on a comprehensive submission in in addition to all the work you've been doing to date. But pick out some of the key things you'd like to see within this levelling up agenda. Yeah, so we you're right that we have um we've been working on how exactly we can unle- unleash the potential of the rural economy and we've identified a 
a, a few policies which wouldn't take a, a large amount of um, of change. It'd be relatively easy to to implement, but could make a real difference in rural areas. And one of them is we've talked already about about connectivity, but I think it's so important for the government to actually make good on their pledges and connect the rest of the countryside. And the white paper talks about the the large majority of the country gaining access to 5G broadband by 2030. But at the moment, only 46% of rural areas can access 4G. And you and I, we all pay the same deals, the same phone deals for our, for our mobiles. We all have the same contracts. They don't differ whether or not you're in an urban or rural area. But the quality and the coverage is so different that you you just you're so shortchanged with connectivity. So I think that if le- leveling up is about bringing communities in line with each other, so for for people who barely have four G, hearing that the government is focusing on five G, it's not just it's just not going to resonate with them. I think so. What we would like to see is if there can be interim targets on broadband and, and mobile operators. Um, as well as a legal obligation to deliver, to deliver rural roaming um, so that we can actually see when these areas are going to be connected so that we can stop with this real, you know, we have we shouldn't, we really shouldn't have any more not spots. Who's responsible for, for sorting that out? Is it the um, mobile phone operators? Is it government and and which government? Because you've got devolution as well, um, playing its role within levelling up. Because some of this is a cross-cutting agenda led primarily by the UK government, but uh, there will be elements of rural policy, be it planning, be it agriculture, that will be devolved to other parts of the UK. Yeah, so there is a real, there is a real sort of uh, kind of coalition needed. So my understanding is that. The mobile operators or the broadband providers, they they have done the areas that are commercially viable. So they have done the parts that make sort of economic sense for them to do. But with the last part, the sort of 15% of the hardest to reach areas, the idea was that uh, government would would step in and help them because it's yeah, it's not it's not a, it's not something that's commercially viable to them. And I think there has been a bit of resistance or it's proved harder than it should be and of course as you say it does require consent of landowners who own the land on which the masks are going to be put on um, and actually that is an issue that we are working on at the moment because there's not there isn't a fair deal currently between um, mobile phone operators and landowners with um, with rents and so we're trying to restore that balance because while the ultimate goal of achieving good, good connectivity is really important, it has to be done fairly. There's no point penalising landowners and sort of making them... Basically, we just want to see landowners get a fair price for, for this. So that's why I think... But I think a roadmap is really important because it just makes people see when things are happening and it gives you targets you can you can see when it's going to be delivered and it's just easier to assess whether or not this 4g is coming or whether it keeps being pushed back so i think transparency through a roadmap would probably 
give an impetus to any of the sort of delays that we might be seeing or any just slow moving for, for whatever reason. Um, so that's, that is one thing that we would like to uh, introduce. Another thing is that we, we would like to see the tax system simplified for diversified businesses. At the moment, the government has been encouraging lots of businesses to diversify, and certainly many already do. You know, it's certainly not not a new thing to have to have lots of different business activities. But when you are filling out a tax return, the different elements of a diversified business must be reported separately in a business tax return, despite being part of the same business. And this just means that businesses have to take so much time on either hiring an accountant or working out how to apportion their costs or, you know, just just the sort of bureaucracy and the admin of it all. So you're losing productivity, you're losing freedom of investment. So we, the CLA, have proposed a rural business unit which would allow um, businesses to be treated for tax purposes as a single unit. And so we would like to see government adjust tax rules for that purpose. It would be cost neutral to the exchequer and it would allow greater freedom for businesses and it would increase productivity. And it would it would just mean that the ambition that we are talking about for businesses within the rural economy would be able to be uh, to be realized. And it would just encourage innovation across across the economy. And do you think that um, those items you've outlined, things you'd like to see included in this agenda, do they align with the priorities of uh, the, the minister responsible, the Secretary of State, Michael Gove? Do, do you think he understands the issues, being a former DEFRA uh, minister as well, do, do you think that gives you an opportunity to put your point across and trying to get some of these valid proposals considered seriously by government? I hope so. I mean, as you say, I think the fact that he is a former environment secretary means that I would expect him to have, and I would certainly hope he retains, an understanding of how rural areas operate, what they consist of, the the many different and diverse businesses that operate in rural areas. And I hope that he would not yeah, I hope he would have that um, that understanding. He, as well as leveling up, he also has uh, the a planning a planning bill essentially to to bring forward, and so that's another key part where rural communities have been affected by having an outdated planning system, which and also having this pressure on houses through local people being squeezed out of houses in their area because of the increase in cost. Houses in rural areas are more expensive, have risen more than houses in urban areas. Um, And I think with the pandemic, with more people wanting a, a bigger house, a bigger garden, there's all this pressure on houses. And so I think that this planning bill is really sorely needed. What I would like to see is organic sustainable development because I don't want there just to be we don't we can't just build you know lots and lots of houses it's got to be appropriate development that recognizes the the needs of rural communities and doesn't sort of concrete over them and you know doesn't destroy their identity 
it they it's got to it's got to complement them. So I'm hoping that with his experience as Ephra secretary, he would have. But having said that, there's been so little mention of rural areas in the leveling up white paper. And I would have he has the same experience, you know, putting channeling into that paper. So um I'm I'm going to be optimistic and say that I I I hope he does recognise rural areas more in the planning building and the leveling up white paper. But yes, we shall see. Country Land and Business Association have been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. We lobby government continually on behalf of our members to give them the security and certainty to invest in their land and business. Our in-house professional advisory team offers members independent and impartial advice on every aspect of land ownership and rural business management to ensure the positive development of the rural economy. the government's agenda to level up has been waylaid by other factors clearly we've we're seeing the impacts and and dealing with the consequences of brexit the ongoing pandemic uh, and other pressures uh, that's uh, and uh, that the prime minister himself is is facing do, do you think that's had an impact on the time scales and the extent to which rural areas are have featured in this leveling up paper yeah so i think Undoubtedly, the pandemic has has definitely had an impact, not least because the original intention, I believe, would have been to have launched this levelling up white paper back in 2020. So we're already two years later because Boris Johnson's premiership has been completely dominated by dealing with a pandemic and responding to a pandemic. Um, so and there's things that have come out of that now, which I think continue to thwart efforts like this clearing the two year NHS backlog um, that we're hearing about or the the rising cost of living, which sort of come about because of Brexit or, you know, for lots of reasons. Those are things that have cut through with voters, I, I believe, more so. And that's. In a sense, if voters are feeling that they can't get their surgery booked in or, you know, their family member can't get their surgery booked in and their energy bills have risen, food is more expensive, they are not going to feel like they have been levelled up or any levelling up that happens will be undermined because they don't feel good about their, their personal circumstances haven't improved Anymore, So I think there's a real danger that other events could overtake levelling up. Now, having said that, I think that had the levelling up white paper not just been rehashed announcements, um, that would have helped the agenda because actually people would have been taking it more seriously and it would have demonstrated its intentions better. And then on top of that, I think... The focus that we've had in the last, I mean, the levelling up white paper has only been out for about a week, but the focus in the last two months about parties definitely shifts the narrative because nobody is 
having those meaningful conversations about where the leveling up white paper has gone wrong or what it should be including everybody is just talking about how many parties are being investigated or the no confidence letters that are being written so in it just dilutes the attention away from it and i think that for something that is such a big and important flagship agenda and is seeking to i mean because at its at its core it's it's a huge thing it's trying to bring all of the country in line with each other it's trying to boost productivity people's pay people's living standards it's it's essentially if it, if all if it all went well it's spreading the wealth it it would be great if ev- if everywhere was leveled up you know it would be a real job well done but i think that there's so many other things at the moment that that do that do threaten it so i think there's a real challenge ahead i'm picking up on an earlier point uh, we talked about devolution and to what extent does this leveling up agenda requires a degree of buy-in from the devolved governments to, to realize some of the ambitions because to, to, to fully level up in terms of connectivity then you know if you look at rural areas in wales well that will require um, support from the welsh government and there are already initiatives ongoing ar- around that and, and similarly there'll be other plans in scotland do, do this does it need a bit more joined up collaboration between devolved governments to, to realize some of this yeah, I think there definitely has to be you need to have you need to have a collaborative approach. You need to have a joined up approach in order to do this properly. And I think that the danger with devolution is that it's almost the opposite of a joined up approach in a way. And this is just my interpretation of it, but to me devolution is sort of create you're creating an additional layer and you're you're relying on, in theory, good channels of communication, or you're you're allowing on good people or good politicians or good you know people in local authorities who are who will be the champion. But you, you there's no guarantee that you'll get that. And so, I think devolution. I think the focus on devolution is a bit of a Trojan horse because I think that. On the face of it, it's very good to empower communities. And of course, you know, rural communities in Wales are more likely to know what sort of solutions will work for those rural communities because they are there living it, breathing it. You know, of course they will know. But I think that a lot of local authorities have been steadily gutted over the last decade and council budgets have been cut so the empowering of them all of a sudden through this devolution to me rings quite hollow and additionally i can't help but wonder if what devolution is doing is actually shifting the blame away from central government if and when these communities don't see results in the future so I, I definitely think that everywhere and rural areas particularly should be entitled to the same opportunities as urban areas and have more control over local issues like transport or like housing. But to me, it seems like an urban solution. Devolution to me, I think works best in areas that are city regions and one part of the devolution argument is that 
um, every part of England that wants one will have a devolution deal that gives them a mayor. And the emphasis there is on wants one, because if people, if these areas don't want a mayor, does that mean they're then at a disadvantage because they don't have this singular champion talking on behalf of them? So I just think that it's a little bit, I'm a little bit sceptical of putting all the eggs in the devolution basket, I suppose. And, and what's your thoughts around, in, you mentioned the, um, the the parties and the controversies that surrounded number 10. To what extent does levelling up, um, and is that tied to the Prime Minister's future in any way? This is such an important policy for him personally and, and his government. Clearly he wants this to work because he, he is desperate for some good news. Yes, definitely. I mean... The interesting thing with with the levelling up is that it's setting metrics by which the government's activity and the government's policies can be measured. And I I certainly think that this is something that tends to be fairly rare in certainly over the long term for governments because it's something that is very easy for the opposition to um to use against them and it can it can very quickly become something that you're not shouting from the rooftops from for whatever reason and we've seen that recently with um with the crime statistics where they claimed that crime had decreased by 14 percent and then turned out they hadn't included fraud and when you included fraud it turned out crime had increased by 14 percent. so i think there's always a danger with statistics and metrics that just as soon as you create them, they can be used against they can be used against you. And then when you also factor in the short-term approach of governments, because by the very nature they're on a they're on an electoral cycle, it's kind of no surprise that they don't want to take this real long-term approach to policies. So with all that in mind, Boris Johnson knows that he has to deliver these tangible results two constituencies who he won for the first time who had never voted Conservative in some ever. But I think that the the danger for him in doing that is, is that in actively seeking out those constituencies, he is trying to build a coalition that is too broad and just can't be sustained and ends up popping. And at the moment, by focusing on let's say, these these Red Wall communities, which do have a legitimate need. I certainly don't want to necessarily pit rural communities against Red Wall. I don't think it needs to be binary. But I just think that the government, there just needs to be a, a rounded approach. And the government may end up, well, we saw in North Shropshire what happens if traditional, safe rural seats are continue continue to be ignored. So... I do think it's tied in with his premiership. It remains to be seen whether he is still in post in two years, three months, one week. We really, you know, we really don't know. But he has to try something, which is almost in a way what is surprising why there isn't more money, why it's all there isn't any new money for this, because he's really got to, you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat, I think. Yeah, it is. So as a final question, Rosie, we've had the white paper. Uh, we understand some of the asks of government from the CLA. Um, 
you will continue to lobby. What's the next steps? What are your priorities now in trying to realise some of your your suggestions and uh, and to safeguard the the interests of your members? What's going to be the focus now in in truly trying to make making this levelling up agenda work for rural areas and the members of the CLA? So I think we we're, we're trying to really just underscore that there is so much ambition in the rural economy that there is such a huge economic contribution that the countryside makes. And all we need is for everybody else to realise there's two, I mean, for two, because for too often there's just been this often very quaint look at rural communities and this kind of tea shop economy approach. And it's really dangerous because that's not what most rural communities are like at all. You know, there's there are so many diverse business activities that take place. I mean, most people don't realise that manufacturing occurs in, in in many rural areas because it's sort of seen as an urban thing. But so our our aim is certainly just to keep demonstrating the potential in the rural economy and the ambition that we know that our members have that we know uh, exists and just to reduce these barriers. And so with the planning bill coming up, we are trying to demonstrate what little changes are needed to the planning system we've got a booklet out on leveling up which is a sort of rounded package on different policies a couple of which I mentioned with the the rural business unit and connectivity and we just are keeping banging the drum and showing that there is all this potential and it doesn't take a lot to unleash it we just need an understanding of what happens what can happen and then I think that's key to um, actually being able to deliver upon the change that's needed. Well, Rosie Nagel, Public Affairs Manager with the CLA, thank you ever so much for joining this podcast episode. It's been fascinating to hear more about the whole approach to levelling up, what you'd like to see, and clearly some of the challenges that, uh, that lie ahead in trying to realise some of those changes, and indeed the challenges that lie ahead in front of this government in trying to uh, make some progress on this front. But yeah, it is certainly an important area of work for the CLA. And Rosie, once again, thank you very much for joining this podcast. Thank you. If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, www.cla.org.uk. Thank you for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast, the CLA's weekly podcast released every Friday. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.